Bigger than cakes. Give me some outside. Yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to it, and then I watched it. And welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I am Angela and today I am talking to David Popose and we are talking about his new Kickstarter for issue two of the OZ. Hello, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm excited to be on the show. I, I want to ask, though, on, on your side of the pond, would you guys call it the OZ or is that just Australia? <laughs> Um, it, we, we would be the OZ, yeah. Okay. To the, right. to the point where I've been training my brain to ah. say the OZ all week. Okay. Because okay. the natural well. way is the OZ. <laughs> so if I go with the OZ, that's all right. why. Well, I, we can we can definitely. I'll anytime I go overseas now, I will I'll just refer to it as the OZ and see if anybody says anything. Um, but no, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, excited to, to to catch up with you again. And yeah, this book, it's just been, um, it's been a long time coming and uh, it'll be uh, about a year to the day uh, after we launched our last Kickstarter. And, um, you know, it's, uh, if you like The Wizard of Oz, um, you you ain't seen nothing yet. Mm -hmm. Um, This is kind of our our Mad Max, uh, Hurt Locker, post-apocalyptic war story version of the war-torn land of Oz. And uh, I'm so thrilled to be returning with uh, artist Ruben Rojas, colorist Whitney Kogar, and letterer DC Hopkins as well as a murderer's row of cover talent. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled uh, to be returning to Kickstarter with it. That's, that's really good. Cause like I say, it has, it has been a while. I, I've kept sort of thinking, when, when are we going to get issue two? Cause I remember when we talked last time, we briefly touched on it. So um, but yeah. You know, the, the reason why the timing was as such for, for the OZ, there's, there was a few reasons behind it. Um, part of it was uh, Scout's Honor. Um, my, my previous book at Aftershock yeah. Comics, um, you know, every book that I, that comes out, I'm always wondering, you know, is this going to stick the landing? Are people going to like it? And um, nobody was more surprised than me to see the kind of, of, of really passionate reaction that we got to Scouts Honor. And so part of me felt like, why have two of my books essentially compete for attention when we could just kind of roll one out and then roll the other one? And between that and, um, you know, and COVID-related delays, um, yeah. you know, uh, Ruben is, is based in Spain. They've been hit very hard over there. Oh, yeah. And so, um, you know, giving him some time to sort of, you know, find his footing again and and uh, sort of get, get back to the table. Um, so between those two things, I said, you know, it feels a little bit like poetry to kind of really just launch at the same window that we did last time. It worked really well for us then. Um, granted, we might not be launching at the same time as somebody like Scott Snyder, but um, I still feel, uh, you know, our Yellow Brick Road Warriors have never let us down. And so I'm very excited to, to, to show them what we've been working on, but also to maybe introduce new readers, especially those who enjoyed Scout's Honor, to, to, to have them catch up uh, with, with, with uh, I think, one of the best uh, books that I've ever been involved in. Yeah. So, so for those new readers, obviously I'm familiar with it and I do think that everyone should, you know, back the Kickstarter, we'll get that out. Um, but for people who are unaware of it, how would you describe the OZ? Sure. So the OZ, uh, the best way I can describe it is it's what if the Hurt Locker took place in the Wizard of Oz? Uh, 
It's about uh, Dorothy Gale's granddaughter, who's a, a disillusioned Iraq war veteran, who's come back home really grappling with trauma and depression and trying to find purpose in her life. Um, but when a tornado strikes her small Kansas town, uh, this soldier finds herself stranded in the war-torn land of Oz, where she discovers her grandmother killing the Wicked Witch of the West and the Wicked Witch of the East and convincing the Wizard of Oz to leave and then bailing herself caused a sort of Baghdad-esque power vacuum uh, that has resulted in, in decades of brutal civil war. And so this new Dorothy is going to have to navigate her, her grandmother's former friends, um, our, our, our takes on the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Cowardly Lion, uh, if she hopes to bring peace to the occupied zone, or as the locals call it, the OZ. Um, and yeah, I, I just, uh, if you like my book, uh, Spencer and Locke, you will love uh, uh, the OZ. If you like Scout's Honor, you're going to love the OZ. Um, it's sort of, it sort of pivots a little from sort of the hard sci-fi of Scouts Honor and goes into a more sort of fantasy vein. But, um, you know, just this is me purely unfiltered. You know, this is sort of me working with just some dynamite collaborators and just watching them cut loose. And uh, it's just been so empowering to watch and um, so heartening to see. We had uh, at the end total, we had more than 1300 people. Uh, uh, back our last campaign. And um, I'm excited to see how many of them come back. Um, I, I think uh, if, if anyone's read any of my works before, you know the first issues are always the quiet issue. So now that we've introduced Dorothy and we've established what happened to Oz, now we really get to put pedal to the metal and uh, really get to crank things up to 11 as far as the action is concerned. Yeah, because I was going to say that there are definite similarities having being familiar with Spencer and Locke and Scouts Honor. I can see there are similarities between sure. them, um, particularly in sort of Dorothy's mental state, I would probably yes. say. Yes, Dorothy. I mean, you know, she's been through some stuff and we, we will dig into that at, further and further as the series progresses. Um, but yeah, she and Locke, they're very much uh, spiritual cousins in a, in a way. And I think each of them would probably look at each other with some side eye and be like, oh, you guys, you're just a tourist, uh, you know, when it comes to trauma. But Dorothy, you know, she, she's, she's a soldier and she's seen some things um, overseas that have really kind of made her question what she was doing over there and kind of made her question, you know, was there any upside here? Was it worth it at all? Because at the end of the day, all she wants to do is serve. All she wants to do is stand up for the little guy. And it's not always that black and white when you're actually on the battlefield. I think the difference between what Dorothy saw in Iraq and Afghanistan and what she's seeing in the OZ is that um, when she was overseas, she was sort of one part of a unit. You know, there was a degree of anonymity there, but I think that was also meant a degree of powerlessness. You know, um, she's not calling the shots. She's just kind of ro rolling with the punches as they come. Whereas in Oz, uh, because by virtue of her, her grandmother was considered a war hero. And so there's a lot of pressure on her. There, it, there's a difference between being sort of a, a soldier on the ground and having to lead. And um, she's realizing that it's a very different battlefield, but it's one that might provide her some level of redemption. Um, yeah. You know, sort of a chance to, to, to right the things that went wrong uh, in, a, in another war. Uh, maybe this is her second chance to get things right. 
but yeah, there's 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 going to be a lot of doubt, a lot of inner demons that she's going to have to confront, and and really taking a hard long look at her grandmother's legacy, um, and seeing kind of what happened to her friends that she left along the way. Um, and so I'm very excited. Our second issue, we get to introduce new members of our cast, uh, which is great. Our first issue really focused heavily on the dynamic between the Dorothy and the Tin Soldier, who are sort of, you know, there are echoes of Spencer and Locke in that kind of dynamic. Um, but now we get to see our twists on, say, the Cowardly Lion um, or, uh, or Jack Pumpkinhead. They are both going to play some pretty big roles in the second issue. And, um, and, and, uh, and seeing more of the Wizard of Oz himself. Um, you know, we've got some, some very fun stuff planned for him as well. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, we get to really pull back the curtain and we get to explore a lot of different corners of this new world. Um, I said this a lot in our last Kickstarter. I, 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 took, I looked at Star Wars as a big inspiration for the scale of this world. Um, you know, Star Wars has all these different worlds with all these different tones and flavors. And you can tell almost by looking at them, you know, the difference between Hoth and Tatooine and Endor and, and Coruscant, for example. And that was something we really tried to approach with the OZ. And I think uh, so far, so good. Um, you know, just finding just a different vibe for every single place. And that has its own unique flavors and its own unique dangers. And um, that has been a really fun way to put Dorothy and company through their paces. Yeah, it, it's interesting you sort of mentioned Star Wars because it does feel a bit like we've blown up the Death Star. Like oh. the original Dorothy solved all the problems. The Death, you know, the witches was gone. It was it was all going so well, but then it's like what happens after? Yeah, um, yeah. It feels a bit like that. Like the that big moment there. It wasn't the end of th- that world continues on. Well, and it's prom- interesting to see how it goes. <laughs> I promise you, this trilogy is all written by the same guy. Um, so, uh, um, so, so I, pro- I promise, I promise there's a plan. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, I, I, I liken it to having my cake and eating it too, because we're able to address some real world concerns about what happens to soldiers when they come home and, and PTSD and sort of what are the ethics of war, yeah. but also we're able to embrace the sort of larger than life fantasy action adventure. Um, and so you know, for me, the, the the guiding principle that I've always tried to, to to put in all of my work, especially when I'm dealing with trauma, is how do I approach my characters with as much empathy and compassion as possible? You know, like not treating what's happened to them as a punchline, but instead as sort of an emotional beat and really just taking it at face value. And um, I think that has, has, has sort of helped me kind of navigate that high wire act a little bit um, because... Look, I'm never going to be Greg Rucka. You know, mm-hmm. where Greg, you know, he's got, you know, what, 20 years of writing on me? Yeah. And, and he, he's, he knows those details backwards and forwards, and so you can feel the granularity of the texture uh, in every story. I'm, I'm not going to get that deep in the weeds, and, the, and that's in part just because, like, I, I'm, I'm not Greg Rucka. I'm not that <laughs> talented. But, you know, I, in a former life, I, I was a newspaper reporter. I interviewed a lot of returning veterans um, and asked them sort of what was it like trying to reintegrate back into society. And there was, you know, a couple of themes that kept popping out in all of these interviews, you know, sort of this sense of alienation and isolation, you know, of, of not being able to really articulate exactly how it felt over there. But also sort of what does it feel like to kind of come down from the hypervigilance of being overseas in a war zone? And also, you know, it's very highly structured and regimented over there. 
And how do you then kind of come back into, especially American society, where it's kind of the Wild West. There's very little structure. It's just throw you in the deep end of the pool and hope you hope you can swim. Um, and so trying to take those, those moments um, and kind of put them into one character. Um, you know, so far, I've been really thrilled by seeing we've had veterans say, you know, this book really resonated with me. And I think that's kind of the highest praise that I could ever ask for, especially because I know I haven't served. Um, and uh, but trying to be as compassionate as I can with people's real world trauma and real world stories. That's been kind of the guiding principle I've had through the whole series. Um, and, you know, if people, I think, if people see that, then they're much more willing to accept than being able to say, oh, well, let's do a cool action sequence on top of all that. Yeah, because it does, Dorothy does feel really informed by real world experiences and real world problems and i think that's what makes her such an interesting protagonist is that here is someone who who can cope in ironically she's fine in war but in in when it in when it's not a war she doesn't know how to cope and she's yeah and she's reluctant to get back into that war situation initially before she finds that is so gives her some sort of purpose that she's been missing it's that's really interesting it's it, yeah, I think you hit it on the head, and we'll, we'll be seeing that a bit in in the second issue as well. Is yeah, you know, Dorothy, she does struggle with doubt um, in 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 sort of the line of fire, but like when push comes to shove, you know, she can she can handle herself. But yeah, it's those quiet moments. That's when things start to really get to her, and uh, I, that's something I really like about her arc as a character is seeing sort of her being this very reluctant hero and this very reluctant leader. And then watching her sort of in spite of herself really kind of come into her own uh, in all this. And I think that's her way of sort of settling these past traumas a bit. Um, it's a little exposure therapy in a way. I but was going to say, yeah. You know, like I was saying, it's this way of making right what once, once went wrong. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, that's, that's been a really, I think, special uh, process to be a part of um, and it's one of the reasons why I mean I love all of my characters especially my, my murderous gingers and my <laughs> but um, you know Dorothy she's, she holds a really special place for me um, she's one of my favorite characters I've ever written and um, it, seeing her journey and knowing how her journey goes it's, uh, it's very exciting and I can't wait for people to really get to know her even better uh, in this next Kickstarter that, that's really good because there's the certainly it does feel like we sort of scratched the surface and yeah. sort of revealed some really interesting stuff just seeing her little arc in that first issue yeah. of seeing her come to terms with it all like she can't change what happened then but this is her chance to change the present yes, was it's it's really great i really enjoyed that bit of her of her character so i'm looking forward to seeing more of that yeah um and, and, you know, we've got some other fun characters in store as well. I mean, um, you know, there's a, there's our take on the, on the Cowardly Lion. Um, and uh, I'll say he's Ruben's favorite character to draw in the whole series. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I, I, there's there's already been some cool stuff. And, and Ruben is still working on pages on the back half of, of the second issue. And just seeing what he's done already, I'm just like, oh, this looks so good. Um, you know, he re- the, the lion reminds me a lot. Um, I... Keep in mind, I wrote this book um, 
most of it was done pre-pandemic. Um, and so I channeled a lot of Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther into that role. Uh, sort of this idea of, you know, he's a king. And so making sure we know this is a regal figure, but also recognizing there are certain similarities, parallels that he has with Dorothy. And in particular, it's heavy, the, the heavy, the head that rests the crown and noting, knowing that like, it's one thing to be brave when you're just fighting for yourself, but how does that calculus of courage change when you're the king of the animal kingdom and you suddenly have millions of subjects that you have to fight for? And um, there's a, there's a degree of pressure to that and a degree of doubt. And suddenly that idea of fear takes a very different uh, shade. And I think that's something that he and Dorothy will really find a lot of common ground on. Um, and then meanwhile, there's a, there's Jack Pumpkinhead, who uh, I've, I've said, I mean, Toto is my favorite just character in the book for, for a variety of reasons. But Jack might have been my favorite to write. Um, he's got, I, I drew a lot of influence from uh, the comics version of Taskmaster. Uh, oh yeah, just the idea of this like very blue collar mercenary who's you know he's good at what he does, but he has kind of a sense of humor about it. Um, his voice pops; uh, it just popped on every single page, even before art came in. I was like, oh, that like you could see it in the script, like that's a Jack line, um, and and you got just a tiny little bit of it in his one line in the first issue. But now Jack is really going to be on the front lines of this second issue, and. Um, just a really fun character to keep throwing into the mix because, you know, he's not only a threat, but he's like a total D-hole, um, you know, like just a total jerk. And um, and seeing kind of how his arc will progress in issues two and three, um, it's something that's really special. And um, yeah, just he's, I consider him kind of the wild card in the mix. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, we've got some really fun plans in store for him, but yeah, uh, I can, I can safely say, uh, issue two, it's going to be Jack and Dorothy going head to head, uh, for a significant portion of, of everything. And, um, yeah, you know, who, who knows how, how, how the chips are going to fall with him, but, uh, very, very fun character to write for sure. That's interesting because we've not seen much of him so far. So it is going to be interesting to dig a little bit deeper with him. That's good to know. And we'll see a little more of the Scarecrow as well. Um, you know, he uh, uh, he's still kind of, you know, he's almost like a shark kind of, you know, he pops up every so often. You'll see him um, in, in you'll see him in our preview um, and, and some of the plans that he has in store. Uh, but issue three is where we really will see we will really get inside the scarecrow's head and it's not a, it's not a nice place. Um, you know, uh, and sort of seeing kind of how the war has affected him. Um, that's, I think some of the, you know, Dorothy and the scarecrow are sort of the emotional highlights of issue three. Um, and, and some stuff with the tin man, but yeah, issue, issue, issue two, it's really, you know, uh, if you like Toto, if you like Jack, if you like, the lion you're gonna really really enjoy issue two i think i think everyone must like toto because that reveal was was really great ignore the terrier behind the curtain um, <laughs> i mean that was 
that was a really good reveal, particularly because earlier you had Dorothy, the original Dorothy, the grandmother, talking about Toto. Yeah. And then Dorothy gets to say when Toto asks, you know, does she still think about me? And she's like, every day. It was great, that moment. It's, uh, you know, that uh, they say write what you know. Um, and I've been, I've been very fortunate. You know, I, I, uh, I grew up with little Karen Terriers my whole life. Um, uh, and that's the same breed as Toto from the Judy Garland film. And when I started writing the OZ, we had just taken in, uh, my parents, Terrier Holly, she was, uh, I think 11. And, um, and so, you know, she, she was such a sweetheart that of course, like writing, you know, about this heroic Terrier, uh, was, was so wonderful. And I, I will do, I, I will say, a, 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 it's not really a spoiler, but, um, I started writing the OZ when we took Holly in and I started getting those pages of uh, Toto uh, shortly after Holly passed. Uh, she, we, we, we cared for her for her, her last year. She had a melanoma. And um, it was funny when I, when we got the diagnosis, we, 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 we bought about a year of, of extra time with her and uh, mercifully she was not in any pain, but um, I said to myself, Toto was supposed to have a very short role. And I said, no, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I distinctly remember I, I got the diagnosis and uh, beyond sort of scheduling appointments, the very first thing I did was rewrite Toto's arc um, to, to give him a, a significant role in the story. And uh, yeah, suffice to say, um, he's got a big damn hero moment um, in this next issue that uh, I think is probably thus far my favorite part of the issue um and so yeah he's he's if if you're a fan of him um you will definitely not want to miss out on this kickstarter excellent there's there's another reason there are many reasons but that's certainly up there i would say um i'd like to go back as well to the tin man yeah the tin soldier because he was he was always my favorite character in the films Never figured out why. Just one yeah. of those things. Yeah. But and then I think one of the most emotional moments for me was sort of he became the Tin Soldier and all it cost was his heart. Yeah. And that was really yeah, that was very and that seemed as well to reflect soldiers in general, like yeah. how much they have to sacrifice. Yeah, no, the the Tin Soldier, I mean, I, I, I consider him the heart of the book. Um, and, and, and no pun intended, but uh, it's, it, it, he, um, I mean, yeah, he, he steals every scene that he's in. Um, and I, I love having him as sort of that foil to Dorothy. Um, you know, I was, I was just watching uh, Ted Lasso. Um, uh, I was just watching the new episodes and I realized like he's the coach beard to Dorothy's Ted Lasso, or I guess her led Tasso since she's very much the opposite of Ted. And, uh, yeah, I, I, he's got some really cool beats in this second issue. Um, we get to really kind of dig into him as a character a little bit more. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I uh, he's Dorothy's ride or die. And, you know, he was sort of, he's the first one to have found her in the occupied zone and sort of their dynamic is kind of the spine of the book in, in, in a big way. And so, yeah, um, you know, he, 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 uh, he's, he's a really fun character to write and we'll, we'll get to see a little bit more of him. Um, you know, it's not to say he's he he is present in just about every scene of the book, um, but you know, he does sort of he he is going to give a little bit of spotlight to some of these new characters as well. Um, he's got a really some really cool moments in issue three 
that like obviously we haven't even started drawing it yet but like i i wrote it a year and a half ago and i'm just like oh i can't wait to see ruben draw them because yeah i mean you know that was sort of the goal for all of these characters but i think the tin man and toto are the ones i did it the best with is i want you to fall in love with them and i want you to feel like stakes that when they're in danger you're like i don't want something to happen to them and uh yeah the tin man is uh yeah he's keep keep an eye on him because um he's he's ruben just did such an amazing job with him as a character um you know the design it's funny you know ruben when i first talked with him he just kind of did a guy in armor like a suit of armor and i said actually i kind of want him to be the armor like he's sort of, you know, almost kind of like a like a like a battle mech. And once I describe that, like Ruben loves post-apocalyptic stuff in addition to fantasy, so this is the perfect book for him. <laughs> and uh, that tin tin soldier design, um, the first issue covers the first time that that design came together. That was the very first time that I saw it, and I was just like, "You're hired. You're hired. <laughs> that's that's it. It's a done deal." Um, so yeah, expect some more cool stuff uh, uh, coming from him very soon. Excellent, because the character designs um, are really, really good. Um, everything from the flying monkeys to the Tin Man to you know even the way Toto looks. Yeah. So what? So obviously you said to him, "You're hired." How did you come about collaborating with the creative team on this in the first place? So Ruben and I, we've been in contact for a long time. I saw Ruben um, post his portfolio years ago on somebody was looking for a comic artist. And um, I always tend to troll those threads just to be like, <laughs> good, you know. Uh, and I saw Ruben's portfolio and I immediately reached out to him. And I actually, I had reached out to, I said, I have three projects uh, and I want to know if you're interested in any of them. And he immediately gravitated towards the OZ. Um, you know, and I think because I didn't know it at the time, but he's like, oh, fantasy and kind of like a post-apocalyptic bent, like that sounds exactly up my alley. And um, so, you know, it, it, it took some time, you know, and thankfully I had time, you know, like I was working on other projects. I, I had Spencer and Lock 2 and going to the chapel that I was working on as we were slowly putting pages together. And um, yeah, you know, Ruben, he's a terrific collaborator. I can't say enough good things about him. Um, he really knows, like his best angles you know and that's something that it for a creator with not a huge body of work that's often kind of rare you often i i, I often as, as sort of an editor in the thumbnail stage i'm like well what if we kind of did this to sort of you know showcase the character a little bit more or to make it a little more dynamic ruben i very rarely have to say anything um he just really kind of gets it and the few times that i'm like oh what if we did this to punch it up he immediately knows exactly what I'm talking about. He sees my crappy little stick figures and is like, oh, like, I get it. I I, I know what you're talking about. Let me do a much better version of this. Um, and he's so gracious. That's, like, the best part. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, a guy that talented does not need to be that humble. Um, and yet, at the same time, um, he is just really just a, a joy to work with. Um, I can't say enough good things about Ruben. And then um, same thing with Dave Hopkins, our letter. Um, I met Dave at... Um, uh, uh, Denver Comic Con a few years ago, and uh, we shared a mutual friend, uh, Michael Mokio, who uh, used to be an editor at Boom Studios, and now he's over at um, at Universal. And uh, he was he was saying, "Oh, I heard about Spencer and Locke, and you know, it looks so interesting." And he seemed like just a genuinely sweet guy. 
And so I was like, oh, dude, like, here, take the book and, like, let's work on something together. And, um, boy, if, 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 if Dave Hopkins is not my favorite letterer in the business, I really don't know who is. Um, just a really sweet man. Um, and one who is so patient with me because if I have any kryptonite as a writer, it's that um, sometimes my dialogue is a little wordy. And I, uh, if you think it's wordy on the printed page, imagine what it was before I cut <laughs> Um, you know, I want to make sure the book feels dense so it's not like too quick to read, but, um, you know, and, and Dave is just very patient when I'm like, oh, this balloon is way too huge. Let me cut a bunch of words out of it to make it not so oppressive. And then, um, Whitney Kogar, she was the final member of the team. I find that letters are usually the, the last person to join uh, historically for me, for my books. And that's because there's a lot of pressure to get the right colorist. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's finding somebody who can complement the art style, but also elevate it, you know, and, and kind of like Ruben knows his best angles. Whitney knows Ruben's best shades uh, and best and best palettes. And so, um, you know, when I was an intern at DC Comics back in the day, um, I worked on, uh, on Batman R.I.P. and Final Crisis and Green Lantern Secret Origins and then kind of whatever else was going on at the moment. And they really drilled into me how important color is. They said, uh, art makes or breaks your book the colors make or break your art. And so um, I always, I very rarely, uh, there's always like a lot of tryouts in terms of who's going to color my books. It's very rarely the first person I approach. Um, and uh, Michael Mocchio, he, he recommended Whitney, um, having worked with her at Boom. And uh, what a joy, what a joy to work with. I, I, I tell Whitney every chance I get this, I, I, I want this to be the first of many books. Um, she is just so terrific to work with and um, she takes notes what few I have to give extremely well um, but yeah she just she, she she gives a sense of of weight and energy to all of Ruben's uh, uh, inks and uh, yeah it's just uh, you know you sort of see usually for me the book doesn't click until the lettering comes you know I'm sort of like these pages look good but is it gonna look good when there's lettering on it um, that's not the case for the OZ. The OZ, I know the moment the colors come in, oh, that page worked. Um, and so, like, that's part of the reason why for our Kickstarter, um, I wanted to make sure it was a value add for everybody. And so not only, you know, if you, if you, if you throw down money for uh, issue two or anything higher than issue two, you will also get um, scripts for the, first, er, for, for the second issue, as well as the raw inks and Whitney's untouched colors. Because then you really get to see, if you're interested in the behind-the-scenes material, you're able to really get to see, oh, like, this is what this is what it looks like. And it really just shows how much Whitney's style um, elevates the already incredible work that Ruben's doing. Yeah, it does feel like you have the, the entire creative team really on top of the game with it. Yeah. it, it you can see all that effort on the page, which... It's not always the case with kickstarted books. Sometimes you can tell that things have gone wrong, but here it feels very collaborative. Like you were all doing your best work all the way through, and you were all, you know, you were all aware of each other. It's been a real feedback loop, um, particularly between Ruben and Whitney. Um, you know, I, I think um, I would see Ruben's pages come in, and I, and as I was writing, I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta top this now, and then. Whitney would see Ruben's pages come in and just be like, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to I'm gonna put it in like my absolute A game on this. 
And then Ruben would see those pages come in and he'd be like, oh, well, I got to clearly like step it up. Um, and so seeing all that together is like been very helpful. Um, and I think it's, it's kept us enthusiastic about a project that's had, you know, I'll admit a longer than usual runway. Um, you know, we're not, we're not racing to turn out an issue every seven weeks, every six or seven weeks, like we did for Scouts Honor. That book was the fastest I've ever put out a book. Um, but I think, you know, Ruben and I are in agreement that like, at the end of the day, the length between Kickstarters, nobody's going to bat an eye as long as the book is good. Um, at the end of the day, when they're holding all three issues of the OZ in their hands, they're not going to know it was two years in between them. Uh, they're just going to know, oh, this is really good. Um, or hopefully they'll think it's really good. Um, and uh, yeah, that's sort of the thing that sort of made me feel a little bit better knowing like Ruben needs to take the time. He needs to take the time to make it right. And uh, I would hate to watch him try to rush it. I would hate to watch him, you know, cut corners. And so I just said, all right, we won't, we won't make you do that. Um, you know, take the time you need to get it right. And so he's, he's, he's doing really just terrific work. And uh, uh, I, he, he's got a, a, an amazing career ahead of him. And I, 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 I hope he'll let me write his coattails for <laughs> as, as possible. Fingers crossed. Because I think that's the thing with Kickstarters. I don't mind waiting if I know that the quality is there and I know that the people who are making it are able to take the time without the pressure of deadlines to put it together and make it the best that they want it to be. Sometimes it has felt with some Kickstarters like, you're rushing, just take your time, just slow down. The audience will still be there (laughs) in a few months. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's, that's a benefit I have as a writer is that I'm able to sort of juggle a few more projects at once. Um, and, and, and knowing that like, there's, gonna, there's some creators out there who like, it almost feels like they have to have something out every single month. And um, I'm not there yet. You know, like I, 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 for me, I'm kind of fine sort of having rest periods, you know, <laughs> um, because for me, you know, the job is not over until the book is until the trade's out. Yeah, you know, and so that's it's it's an exhausting marathon, and so having like a couple a couple months to just sort of say I'm not doing a publicity tour, I'm just working on the thing that I need to be making. That's helpful for me, um, but yeah, it's it's just a uh, you know we've had people asking you know where's the OZ where's the OZ and I'm like I promise it, you know we wanted to get a good critical mass of pages together um, we have that now and um, and yeah I was just like you know. It's poetry. A year later, uh, I'd like to see how our readership has grown. Hopefully, they'd like to see how we've grown as creators. And um, we also, you know, we've taken some time. The big learning curve I had last time was um, the sense of scale of it all. I don't think I was really prepared for success in that Kickstarter. It was sort of, I said, how do I make $6,000 in 30 days? Um, It was a question of, what do you do after you make it in two hours? And uh, that, so now we, we, I've learned from that. And so if you liked any of our stretch goals um, from the last time, you should really encourage your friends to, 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 to back the Kickstarter, share it on any platform you want so more people can see it um, without spoiling too much. Um, you know, if you liked our enamel pins, our flying monkey pins last time, you might want to tell your friends to back and share. Um, if you liked our print from Kira Okamoto, um, uh, who's recently done covers for Radiant Black and Firepower, uh, you might want to 
tell your friends to back and share. <laughs> um, you know, if you uh, if you liked our uh, our theme song that uh, the band uh, Bed Death uh, put together for the last Kickstarter, you might want to tell your friends to back and share. Um, so you know, we, this time I've I've sort of been I've had a year to prepare and be like, okay, how far can we take this? Um, but that said, I know that can sound really intimidating for people who weren't there for the last campaign. And so I want to make sure if you missed the last campaign, there is a place for you here with the OZ. Um, we are we have uh, catch-up tiers, uh, both print and digital. So uh, if you missed the first issue, we can, we can get you up to speed. And I will say for our first 48 hours, we are actually doing early bird specials. So if you want to catch up, you can do it for the first 48 hours actually at a discount price. Um, but if you're a collector, you know, uh, if you missed our last Kickstarter, we had five covers last Kickstarter. Um, we're going to do four this go around, at least for now. Again, if you <laughs> like and share. Um, if you missed, if you're a collector and you missed all that, we do have bundles for nine covers. Um, so you can get everything. Or if you've never read my work, we'll have bundles with my trades. Uh, you know, Spencer and Locke, Spencer and Locke 2, going to the chapel and Scout's Honor. Uh, which will be uh, hitting comic shops everywhere uh, September 8th. Um, so yeah, we're, we're something for everybody here. Even the diehard collectors, you know, we, we can get you drawn into the book. Um, we have uh, an, our original commissions from Ruben. Uh, any character you want, he'll do a head sketch. Um, they're beautiful. He goes, he, he, he takes way too much detail on those headshots. <laughs> uh, uh, we have a, a couple of handcrafted Spencer and Locke plushies, uh, as well as so many people ask me about this, and we have a small handful. Um, a complete set of 14 Scouts Honor Ranger Scout Merit Badges. Um, you cannot get those. I, I, will, I will go so far as to say this will probably be, Kickstarter will probably be the only place you can get a complete set. Um, they, are, they are scattered and hard to find, um, but I'm willing to give up three of my, of my, ten, my 10 sets uh, for, for, for the OZ. Um, so yeah, like I said, there's something for everyone and every level of budget. And, you know, so long as the Kickstarter does even modestly well, uh, we'll probably do another backer kit store, uh, on the back end, uh, of the series as well. So if you decide you just want to pick up one of my books a la carte, uh, there'll be options for you to do that as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I'm trying to meet people where they're at, even down to our lowest tier. We have a $5 thank you tier. Um, it, while it doesn't include the OZ specifically, you'll still get thanked in the OZ, uh, but you'll also get uh, a PDF of the first issue of Spencer and Locke and going to the chapel, um, just to say thank you um, that you you know you're getting something out of all of this, and uh, you'll be getting those PDFs in every single tier uh, of the campaign. Um, so really, you're getting um, I think for ten dollars, you're getting at least eighty eight pages of of story. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, like, another, you know, uh, digital comics extravaganza from some, some friends and family, uh, you know, if, uh, if the Kickstarter does well. So it's a lot of bang for your buck, uh, no matter how much you want to put in. See, that sounds like you've spent a lot of time planning this Kickstarter and getting to know and being aware of what your audience and what your backers will go for, because all of that sounds really good. It's 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 been really fun and doing it in a way that I'm not, you know, having a year to prepare. It's like so it's 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 almost decadent, <laughs> you know, um, just just having that time, because 
that was the biggest stressor of my last campaign, uh, to be quite honest, beyond sort of fulfill the fulfillment, you know, of packing over a thousand books in my two bedroom apartment. Um, it was, oh, we kind of blew through these goals and I still want to keep people interested for 30 days. How do we keep adding more content? How do we keep, how do we do this in an accelerated time frame in a way that, you know, we're not compromising on quality and we're not blowing up our shipping budget. And, um, and that really, you know, thankfully I'm really fortunate that, you know, I'm friendly with people like Charlie Stickney, the creator of white ash, a, a super generous friend, um, Ryland Grant, the, the creator of the peacekeepers and the jump, uh, Russell Nahelty and Pat Shand, who each have a laundry list of Kickstarter uh, projects and being able to kind of pick their brains a little bit and just being like, OK, like, what did you do? Um, and is there a way to do this in like a week? You know, <laughs> um, Now we don't have to do that. Now it's sort of, you know, we can we can take a few weeks or we've taken a few months in some cases to be like, all right, this is a cool thing. Like, how do I, you know, how can we mass produce this? How can we get this ready? If, uh, you know, if we build it, will the backers come? And I, I, I can't help but feel some degree of confidence that they will. Um, I'm trying not to put expectations on this Kickstarter because, you know, it's, it, the world is both very similar to how it was a year ago, but also very different. Yeah. And, you know, I know budgets are tight. You know, uh, the, the, the pandemic is kind of coming back with a, with a horrible vengeance. Um, and that's why I'm working really hard. I want to meet people where they're at. And I want to sort of make this this project, you know, I want to give them as many bells and whistles as possible, in addition to what I think is a very strong core story, to make sure that they feel like it is sort of a, a, a higher price point than buying something in the direct market. And so I want people to know that, like, we appreciate that and that we want to make sure that you're you're getting your money's worth. That's that's really good and really thoughtful because it is Kickstarter is a very different kind of a delivery mechanism for creative work, if that's the right sort of term to use, than the direct market. So Yeah. Well and especially now, you know, I mean seeing how international shipping has gone. Um I I, I do apologize to our international backers in advance. Hello, yes. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I I apologize. I, I know that it's 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 the, the the shipping costs are a pain, um, especially for the UK. Um, I, I, I the, those shipping costs are a little pricey, and I apologize for that. We we did all the research we could to see if there's any way to sort of shrink that down, and thus far we have not been able to find them. Um, but uh, even so, you know, we're trying to make sure that like everybody's stuff is shipped safely and everything can make it through customs. And boy, it's just a it's a whole lot of stuff that a year ago I had no idea what I was doing. And yeah. now I feel like, okay, we're able to do this in a way that um, feels financially responsible um, and, and is sort of keeping up to, you know, ever-changing rules and laws uh, uh, for international shipping. Um, but, yeah, we, 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 we will do worldwide shipping. Uh, if, 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 if someone's willing to buy it, we're willing to ship it. Um, and, uh, if you don't want to pay shipping, uh, we do have, uh, digital options that will, that will also keep you up to speed. Yeah. Speaking as someone who has been bitten by the shipping before now, living in the UK is not, is not great, but I do know for certain books, I do find the shipping worth it. So yeah. there you go. And certainly yeah. I think the OZ will be one of, one of those. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, 
here's a question. So obviously we're familiar with DOZ, um, but how would you sell it, if you will, to someone who had never heard of the Wizard of Oz? Oh boy, that's a great question. I'm almost like a little stumped just thinking about it. Uh, no, I, I, if if somebody had never heard of the Wizard of Oz, I would say think Mad Max meets Star Wars, but with a fantasy bent, or Mad Max meets Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, I, I, I think um, it, it's tough because, it, it, of course, part of the reason I picked the Wizard of Oz as a riff is. Yeah, it's like cultural osmosis. It's, you know, uh, even if you've never seen the movie, you kind of, oh, Ruby Slippers. Yeah, I know what you're yeah. talking about. Um, and while we can't use Ruby Slippers, uh, legally speaking, uh, because that was an invention of Warner Brothers and not L. Frank Baum, um, you know, the, 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 the archetypes are certainly based off that. But, you know, at the same time, I always talk about my influences that I think are, you know, help sell the book as well. Um, particularly, you know, I mean, I don't usually get a lot of gaming influences in my work, but I do really strongly in the OZ. Uh, if you like Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy VII, um, you will really like it. Um, I was I was playing a lot of Final Fantasy VII remake while I was doing like the the back half of this book. Um, so you'll see you'll, you'll kind of be like, oh yeah, I, I recognize these kind of archetypes and the way that the team kind of fits together. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, I think you know if you like Mad Max. If you like things like Jarhead or American Sniper or The Hurt Locker, um, you know, at, at, with sort of that high, that high flying, larger than life action of a Star Wars, or even a little bit of like a Mission Impossible um, in terms of sort of the the, the the military bent to some of this stuff, um, yeah, then then you'll 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 probably find a lot to like. Or if I want to cheat, I'll just be like, oh, if you like Spencer and Locke, uh, then. <laughs> Check, check, check out the OZ, uh, because they really are. I consider those books um, uh, spiritual cousins to one another. I, I came up with the OZ right on the heels of, of Spencer and Locke saying, you know, what's, what's a, a, a fantasy version of, of this, of this uh, crime story? And so, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why it means so much to me and why, you know, I, rolled, I wound up rolling the dice on Kickstarter was I, I already got tired of waiting for publishers to give me permission to tell my stories. But that was the one that I was like, I, I refuse to not let this story be a thing. Um, you know, Ruben had already drawn two issues and they were so beautiful that I was like, I, I told him, I told him when he fir- finished the first six pages in the cover, I said, come hell or high water, this book will exist. Um, and I don't care if I have to pay every last page of it. Um, it will happen, and 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 people will love it. And uh, Ruben proved me right. Yep. Yep, it's true. So when is the Kickstarter launching? Yes, be the it's, question. Uh, it's launching officially uh, Monday, uh, August 16th. So one week from today uh, when we're talking. And, uh, yeah, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be going on for 30 days. So I believe that ends in the morning on September 15th. Um, and so, yeah, you know, uh, you know, the first 48 hours are really the, the most crucial. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Kickstarter places you in, 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 up in their algorithm based on how many people back your campaign in the first 48 hours. So any amount is super helpful. And the other thing that I, I, I learned this last time, and I, 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 I didn't realize that, that, that this would be the case, but now I warn everybody. Not warn, but I, I, I clarify. Uh, 
you don't get charged until the Kickstarter ends. So if you're saying like, oh, I don't want to back until the end of the Kickstarter because of payday, don't worry about it. You will not be charged until the 15th of September. Um, So if you if you see something that's catching your eye, back it early, Um, especially some of our premier tiers, um, they are going to go by fast. Um, I can tell you that uh, getting drawn into the book, for example, I think we have five slots available for that. Um, We went through all of them, I want to say, in the first 48 hours last time, Um, or maybe the first 72 at at best. Um, You know, same thing for um, the commissions. Those commissions fly. Um, And so, you know, definitely if you see something, jump on it because the the limited edition stuff does go by pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, you know, that's why just any amount matters. And telling your friends and family, sharing it on social media – all these things are huge helps for us because ultimately at the end of the day, and this is probably a terrible thing for like a commercial storyteller to say, but I don't care about the money. I really don't care about the money because the, the dirty secret is any amount of money I make on the OZ is just going to go towards me funding another project. Um, so yeah. like it's just going to go back into the work for me, what I care about. And the whole reason I did this Kickstarter in the first place is it's reaching out to a different readership than the diehard Wednesday Warriors. And it's not to say there isn't some small degree of overlap, but um, I find that they are still fairly distinct groups. And I want to sort of uh, reunite that readership diaspora. I want to bring them, invite them to the same table. And so um, for me, the only number that matters is how many readers we have. And, um, and so that's why you know we were so fortunate. We had over 1,300 people join us last time. Uh, between the the initial campaign and people who have joined us uh, on backer kit since then, and um, I I don't know I'm curious how many will come back. Um, you know I hope I hope we'll we'll see a lot of them come back. I hope we'll get new readers. I hope people who read Scouts Honor and weren't aware of my other work uh, uh, join us this time because I think you'll really love the book. Um, you know, I'm trying not to put a lot of expectations on myself. You know, like I said, it's very different than a different time than it was a year ago. And uh, I don't anticipate launching alongside somebody like Scott Snyder this time, uh, you know, who uh, in the direct market, that would have killed me. But on Kickstarter, it was like having an amazing headwind uh, at my back. Um, but, you know, I'm just excited to, to be back. And uh, I think, uh, you know, anything beyond getting funded is a, is a victory for us. And, um, I just want to I want to share this book with as many people as possible because honestly I think it's some of the best work I've ever done and I really think that this creative team um pound for pound are one of the they they, they are equal to anything in the direct market and uh, I I think if you haven't seen Ruben Rojas and Whitney Kogar and DC Hopkins tag team it um you really owe it to yourself to see some damn good comics I would I would heartily agree with that. I think it's it's just so good and the creative team so on form. Um, and I would also echo if you did like Scouts Honor, there seem to be definite parallels between the yeah. two. I would say more parallels between this and Spencer and Locke, but I would hope that some of those people who enjoyed Scouts Honor would come to the OZ because Very much yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And uh, you know, I I wrote them kind of back to back. Um, and so, you know, that voice that you got in, in Scout's Honor very much came from that voice that I was using in the OZ. And so, um, you know, 
but we, you know, uh, we get some nice, like, you know, first person narration going on through the whole thing. So you really get into Dorothy's head in a big way. And, um, yeah, I think if, if you like Scout's Honor, I really think you're going to find a lot to enjoy, um, uh, uh, about the OZ. Definitely. Um, so what is the plan ultimately then for the OZ? So you're kickstarting the second issue. I'm yeah. assuming you will eventually, hopefully be doing the third. Yes. Uh, so, so a lot of people have asked me sort of what, what are the, what are the end, end plans for the OZ? And usually it's somebody asking, are you planning on working with a publisher with it? And my answer has been the same since the beginning. We have no plans to work with a publisher at this time. Um, you know, if that changes, that's, you know, cherry on top, you know, but my, my thing is we, we shop this book around, you know, and we had a lot of places express interest, but the way that it tends to work in the direct market, it's, it's a little ADD, you know, it's sort of a fire breaks out and you got to go run and catch it. And so, so much of a, a pitch getting accepted is just as much about the timing of it all as it is the quality. And, um, you know, when Diamond had its shutdown last year, um, a lot of publishers, their acquisitions pipelines immediately shrank. And I said, you know, well, I should kind of solve one problem with another. I've been meaning to do a Kickstarter and why not give the OZ a welcoming home and introduce ourselves with our A-game. Uh, our Kickstarter backers believed in us. They're the ones that put their money where their mouths were. They're the reason the OZ exists. And they're the reason why we've been sort of so hard at work over the last year. And um, so my, my, my absolute overarching directive is to make sure our Kickstarter backers are taken care of first. And so, uh, you know, we will, uh, we will finish the series on Kickstarter. Um, you know, I don't care if I get hit by a bus, the scripts are already written. So, you know, I'll have my, my successors, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, 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 handle editorial. Um, this will, this will get done. Uh, you know, uh, I should really, I should say, as long as Ruben doesn't get hit by a bus, um, you know, <laughs> we will, uh, you know, we will, we will see this book through, uh, on Kickstarter and, um, and then, yeah, as far as, you know, we, we, there's a certain calculus that goes into like collected editions and things like that. Um, you know, do you want to do a soft cover? Do you want to do a hard cover? There are certain avenues that can be taken, you know, uh, in sort of a larger field with that. So I'm, we haven't really got to that point yet. You know, um, somebody asked me this just the other day and I'm like, our top concern right now is just finishing the singles. Uh, and then once that's done, we can take a beat and figure out like, okay, is the demand there? For a collected edition now that the singles are done uh, but yeah I, I i think um uh i want to make sure our kickstarter backers know we will never leave them out in the cold uh, i plan on using kickstarter as a platform beyond the oz and to be honest i've sort of been chomping at the bit where there are certain projects that i'm building steam on that i'm kind of like well i don't want to put that on kickstarter until the oz is done yeah. and i think that's in part because I don't want to confuse our readers, you know. Uh, I don't want them to feel like there's any chance of me kind of picking their pockets of bouncing from series to series. We're going to see this one through. Uh, but I consider everything in my career, I want to look at it from a sustainable point of view. And uh, Kickstarter, I see as really kind of a wonderful platform for true financial equity, um, it, it, you know, in an industry that that's very hard to come by. Um, you know, a lot of books... Even at bigger publishers, it's sort of, it's not enough to pay your rent, you know, or it's, 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 it's a loss leader. And you sort of have to kind of scrape to make your money back in the convention scene. Kickstarter, you don't have to do that. 
And um, and so I really, I value that platform. I value our readers. And so I want to make sure that they feel respected and that they feel like we have their best interests in mind. And so that, that, that really came down to everything, all of our reward tiers, down to this, you know, we will not be getting into bed with a publisher without this being done. Um, and not that any publishers, you know, <laughs> I, I should say it makes it sound like we've had publishers <laughs> down our door. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's sort of, we are, uh, we wouldn't even be taking those calls uh, until the thing is done. So that's, that's where we stand. Excellent. Well, I'll be backing it and I will be encouraging everyone else to back it. Who knows what tiers we'll be going for yet. Yes. Um, but if you could sum up the OZ in one sentence, what would it be? Um, Dorothy Gale's Iraq War veteran granddaughter finds herself stranded in the war-torn land of Oz. Excellent strapline. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much. That was very sure. interesting. I do enjoy this book, and it was great to speak to you about it. Thank um, you. And I really hope the Kickstarter does go well. I'm hoping you will get more than 1,300 backers. We will that see. Would be, that's the dream. Um, and, so, you know, fingers crossed. If, well, if anybody, you know, if, if anybody wants to follow the OZ, you can sign up for our pre-launch page, or depending on when this goes live, the Kickstarter may already be up. Um, but uh, you can visit bit.ly slash the OZ comic, um, or the OZ comic too. Both, both links will take you to, uh, to the same page. And uh, yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Pepos D. It's just my last name and first initial. Uh, David Pepos Comics on Facebook. Uh, you can sign up for my newsletter, Pep Talks, at bit.ly slash pepnews. Um, I send it out every three weeks. It's to let my family know I'm still alive. Um, or you can, uh, you can visit my website, davidpepos.com, uh, where I'll be selling copies of all of my books. But seriously, uh, at this point, you should wait and just back the Kickstarter because, like I said, We'll be offering everything a la carte on backer kit if you don't want to get the full package of everything. And so um, you'll be able to get any books you want um, for, with my name on it um, uh, once that Kickstarter is over. Excellent. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you.